Yep. Hello. Ha. 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 Doing fabulous as always. Living the dream. Just turned 21. I'm an old piece of shit, man. Oh god. <laughs> I would like to turn out like him actually. Yeah, he's a thug, man. He's a thug. He's an absolute oh I have to tell you this isn't appropriate for the podcast, but I'll have to tell you a story about him. I'll have to tell you a story about him after. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or there could be beliefs or ideals or expectations to this. Established. So, I mean, you, y'all probably know that this this term has been thrown around a lot. Um, I've been reading a book. It's called Models. Um, it's written by William Anton, I believe. Um, it's basically it has to deal with having the most success as a man with a woman as possible. But I read it more towards what I want to talk about, which is this idea of improving myself. So the one thing I pulled from it was he described fear and shame as being a social construct defined by society today instead of a natural response to, you know, situations that would garner those responses. So for instance, he gives the example of children um, having no, having no, predetermined fear in a social situation or they're not they're not caring about how they are appearing at all like you'll, you'll see like kids run around with mud on their faces and you know boys running around in dresses and it doesn't matter to them um they don't have that they don't have that sense yet um and that sense is given to them he argues by um you know parents oh um, giving negative consequences to quote unquote bad behavior. Um, you know, and the response for kids to that is shame. Um, so I found that kind of interesting that the whole the whole idea of embarrassment and fear as being a social construct.
It's good though, man. It's good. It's improving. It's improving. The, the whole idea about the book is improving your mentality. That's the whole idea. It, it really is. Um, it like. Fuck! I've been. It's alright. I wasn't talking all that much. Anyway, so we're gonna take that back because I'm a rookie. Uh, You're kind of cutting too, though. Uh, that's just you. Ah. But. <laughs> yeah, ha, 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 let's all make fun of Johnny. Anyway. Uh, How long were you muted for? What the hell? Uh, probably since the beginning. I thought I unmuted. I guess I probably. You know what I did? I unmuted. I tried to unmute my my OBS, muted yeah. my Discord while I was trying to talk to you. Because uh -huh. I said your name, you responded, and I pressed my plus sign, which is my hotkey to mute on Discord. I'm coming back to it. I haven't streamed in over a week. Anyway, the whole point so, that we were discussing are we starting, was... Or are we, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just pick up where, where I was talking about. So, I'm just going to reiterate. The whole idea behind the book, I wasn't all too thrilled about talking about this book just by the I knew you uh, just by the uh, book cover it's a, a, a very nice look lady just look it up. wearing uh, lingerie it was called manuals wasn't it it was called the manual the manual uh, yeah yeah um something else I'll be honest but uh, I, I so and at first I was reading reviews on it and everything and it seemed very predatorial uh, I guess is the best word for it it seemed like it was really just, you know, uh, don't judge a book by its cover, Johnny. That's a good point. I shouldn't read chat. Um, but I that's mean, a good point. Yeah, I agree. That's and point, I guess Trevor. I can see where the reviews are coming from. Um, uh -huh. You know, I try to have, I pride myself on being empathetic and, you know, understanding another person's perspective. Mm -hmm. And if you're not used to the, if you're not used to the whole idea of, men having to I don't know how to word this right um but if you're not used to the if you're um, I shouldn't say it okay <laughs> we'll get to it I think it's okay. um we'll get to it the whole idea behind the book is men uh teaching men how to like kind of get over their fears when it comes to approaching women yes that's kind of the you know, whole thing and he, he he goes starts off with the fear and shame you know teed off mm -hmm. um and then he goes he ties that directly into like approaching women or presenting in front of your peers mm -hmm. or you know taking a very important test in school so he it's not just about which is why i like the book it's not just mm -hmm. about it's not like a pickup artist book it's, it's not what it is it's not it may it's look not like book, it from the cover. it's it's not a book getting sold on not, the side of the street to you know it's not about it's not about playing games and, you know, manipulating women. It's about improving your overall mindset mm -hmm. and really improving yourself as a man through, you know, exposure and realizing mm -hmm. that these predefined constructs that were given to you by your parents or your grandparents or your nanny in my case, actually, whoever you're raised by, mm -hmm. um, and kind of just starting to to the side and realizing that, you know, the only thing that matters is yourself. 
you know, he kind of leads that into another chapter, which is about being selfish and the whole premise behind. Now, I know selfish has a negative connotation, um, you know, like we mm-hmm. talked about this earlier, John. Absolutely. Um, you know, selfishness is depicted negatively in movies and, no, you know, awesome. books, and literature, and, you know, like every every movie on earth with a love story component has the man, you know, performing mm-hmm. this extravagant task and then... You know, he saves the world, but, you know, the important thing is he gets the girl. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. whatever it is. Uh, and this I whole think... idea is romanticized. Mm-hmm. Which, a lot, especially. you know, he argues, and we talked about this, but, you know, he argues that, you know, men don't shouldn't have to earn women. Um, men just have to, men should realize that they need women and they don't have to do anything extravagant to earn, quote unquote, Mm-hmm. whatever they want in life not just not just a woman mm-hmm. so. obviously like uh, uh one of my favorite examples for every it just i feel like this is a movie that ties into every example i ever want to give and it's it might be because it sits up on my wall it's inception you know in, oh, in this boy. particular movie leonardo dicaprio does an incredible you know a, a ridiculous you know action and whatnot what movie is it john inception Inception. Okay. Yeah. You, you remember why he does all the things he does is to get back with his family, right? Yes. You know. He wants to see his kids. Exactly. It's the whole. Yes. It's. It seems like every. It seems like in order to be somebody in this world, the uh, especially in the media and everything, uh, it seems to want to portray people. Generally, it is men, uh, which I think is probably a little overdone at this point. Uh, to do something drastic in order to get what they want. Not now. Here's the thing about when it comes to relationships. You and I talked about this. Men shouldn't have to do anything uh, exactly extravagant, you know. Uh, I shouldn't have to stop a terrorist threat in order to get a woman, obviously. Now, with that being said, the fact is that I need a woman. At some point in my life, I'll probably need one. In order to one procreate, yes, and uh, you know, not saying necessarily to be happy, but I appreciate a woman's company. Obviously, Uh, female companionship is something that uh, has been proven to help men. Yes, you know, human societies have developed, you know, intrinsically with the idea of being social. It's Mm -hmm. hardwired. And, you know, love is hardwired into us. Social is, you know, making strong connections with others. So it's, it's important. Absolutely. Finally. Uh, one thing I was going to talk about was uh, the idea, that, you know, like we said, uh, companionship is important. Uh, we were talking about earlier the... Uh, Loneliness. Uh, I had you watch that video. What was the statistic? Um, in a nutshell. Yeah, the internet show video. Uh, I think it was. I think it was sixty percent of people. Mm-hmm. But like I uh, it's something like that. And this is kind of what I want to talk about when it comes to social constructs. The idea of loneliness is actually a very. Uh, it's a social construct. Technically, it's something that we created uh, biologically, actually, uh, as a defense mechanism for things that we dislike. Like being ostracized by a community, you know, two yeah, million years ago. Think of, this is my if you think, yeah, think of the communities even three hundred to four hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little further back on that, but 
you know, right. being ostracized by your community was literally it's a death, a death sentence. sentence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially when you talk about you know tribes millions of years ago. Mm-hmm. But you know, usually having that no connection to your, you know, a hundred or so community members that you've been growing up with your whole life in these in this time in those time periods. And then, you know, stepping on a line and then suddenly mm-hmm. not having that anymore, that's quite deadly from a it's, mental and a physical mm-hmm. perspective if you have no access to food or water or anything like that. And that's that, like, people who experience crime, and I'm not talking, we're not talking about that idea where, like, I'm alone in my room right now. Michael's here. Yeah. And my heart. But physically in my room, I am alone. I have my roommate you yeah. know, who stays on the other side of the you know room for the most part, but here's the point. Uh, that's not what we mean by loneliness. We mean true loneliness, like yeah. chronic, over developing over years and years and years. Uh, you know, a lot of it's self, uh, you know, imposed yeah. by self ostracizing. Some of it is exclusion. Self fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not- some. It, it boils over and it, ca- it goes out of control over time. Because uh, you slowly, when you start feeling lonely, you slowly start shutting people off that you normally wouldn't shut off. Exactly. And then you don't go to that, you know, your club meeting that you usually would go to. Mm-hmm. And then it starts, like, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It just starts, you think you're lonely, then you act like you're lonely, so you are lonely. Mm-hmm. And then it just becomes a vicious... Never until until you finally one day you're just like I can't take it anymore, and you really are alone at that point. Yeah, you really are. I think yeah, that's kind of the irony, which you alluded to earlier, was you know we're as connected as ever in the world, and I think the video that we watched mentioned that mm-hmm. actually the number of close friends we've had has decreased, like as an average as a whole. From like I think it was like I think it was like five or six to now three. I think it's like two I or have three. three or four. I have three or four close friends mm-hmm. in my life. Probably you and Aaron, mm-hmm. Jared. I mean, even though we haven't seen each other in a while, mm-hmm. Caroline and a couple of my colleagues. Maybe I have five or six, yeah. but really, people that I have an intricate connection to, probably two or three. Mm-hmm, absolutely like uh, people who i talk to on a near daily basis you know there's two or three um, and that doesn't just because you talk to them on a daily basis and necessarily mean close friends like one of my best friends yeah. uh, the majority of my life ben uh, you know ben uh, i yeah. talk to him you know uh, well i send him a snapchat streak every day because i'm 14 and I, uh, you know, that, that's generally the basis of our communication on a day-to-day basis, but, uh, when it comes to a monthly, you know, we have, we probably have a good, you know, sit down and either we talk on the phone or we text, you know, just cause it's important to keep those kind of relationships up. I would consider Ben a very yeah, close friend. Very important. He probably knows yeah. more about me Critical. than, he knows more about me probably than my mom. And then by probably connection, you know, my mom probably knows just as much as he does cause Ben tells his mom everything, and his mom tells my mom everything. So, thank you, yeah. Annette and Ben. I love you guys. Annette, Annette Crawford, shout out. Oh, what a woman! But uh, 
The fact is, loneliness is, it's not, you know, I think a perfect example of somebody who suffered severely from loneliness is uh, Robin Williams. Uh, really? He, he, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Robin Williams, that's why uh, he uh, committed suicide, was because he was lonely, and it caused him to uh-huh. uh, okay. a very I, severe, a uh, very severe uh, case of depression. Yeah. Because, and it wasn't that he was, and he actually has a quote saying, loneliness isn't being alone. Loneliness is being around people, but feeling alone. I think mm-hmm. it's a good point. You know. Great point, because I'm around, you know, I live with, technically there's 23 other guys in this house right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I haven't, honestly, I haven't felt lonely in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, turning 21 and, you know, going out every day and. You know, socializing, like it's fun. <laughs> you know, being on campus. He's an adult now. Watch out. And you have that little lady friend. Yeah, I mean, we'll I talk know. about that later. Oh my god! Shut up. I will uh, talk about that jean jacket. Though, right. boy, that was cute. That's a power move. Okay, we're getting. Really, I like it. Uh, we're getting we off topic with that, later. but we'll talk about that later. Um, that was a power. But move. I, I definitely know there are people, you know, around me within this fraternity that are feeling lonely mm-hmm. even though regardless of you know how many people come and talk to them they lack that intimate connection that we all desire deep mm-hmm. down with another person mm-hmm. absolutely that isn't your mom or your dad yeah. fortunately they don't count now to be fair i i won't lie i've been somebody who has been uh lonely like truly lonely uh Due mostly to my own fault now looking back at it it wasn't because people didn't invite me it's because i stopped accepting invites so then they stopped inviting me um, i shut yeah. myself out from my parents and you know all these things you know and it's by it, uh, like it like it shows in the video it spirals out of control and now that i'm here yeah. and i'm physically alone i noticed it more than ever that i am truly you know i've truly cut myself off from all these people in a self-destructive manner. So, like, yeah. today my, my my mom and my dad and my sister came up. And I was very excited to see them, you know, more than anything. And, you know, my mom wanted to come up and clean my room. Fun fact, on the other side of the camera, it's not always the cleanest. Uh, I, do my, I do my best to clean it up behind me. I didn't, I didn't think of you as a clean person when it comes to... No, I'm not. Not in the slightest. There's probably, like... at least 30 water bottles in here <laughs> that's like me i always used to... back in the day when i drank a lot of gatorade drink oh, dude he drinks so okay. much <laughs> he drinks so much gatorade. oh dude you probably don't get so mad you don't need because another i would potassium. i would literally like the trash can would be like 10 gatorade bottles then like dinner then another 10 gatorade bottles <laughs> like a little <laughs> sandwich Oh my gosh, my uh... yeah. Go ahead, finish your point, and then I have a building point off of it. So here's here's my point with this. Loneliness is very it's it's something it's something that you can stop, but it's incredibly hard. Oh, where's that guy? There it is. He's no, probably not in chat. Oh, there he is. Um, the point that I'm trying to make is that obviously. Uh, my family came up today and we were talking 
and obviously I'm in film and my mom actually told me about a audition that's going on up here March 16th for a new television comedy uh, called uh, Burnt about you know some new it's just some nice and she wanted me to maybe look into the auditions I went and looked at the characters in the bathroom see if I uh, uh, if I would even fit any unfortunately I wouldn't I'm too chubby uh, to necessarily fit, and I can't lose all the weight by March 16th. I yeah. may be able to by May, but I don't think I'd be able to make the auditions, regardless, let alone prepare. Um, but, you know, having them up here, uh, despite them causing me some amount of stress, to convince my mom not to come up here and just clean my room, because, uh, oh man. Nothing like your mom wanting to clean your room and you not wanting her to. There's no tougher battle. Oh, my God. No tougher or, battle. You uh, know, when, off topic, but when my mom, like, I call, she gets into her zone. Mm-hmm. When she's in her zone, like, everything and anything will get done in the house, and there's nothing you can do to stop her or to stop her from telling you to do what she wants to. And it's just so funny because I'll be like, you know, I'll be like on my Xbox, and I can like back in the day. Mm-hmm. And she'll come down. And she'll just have that look in her eyes, and I was like, "Shit, you don't want me? You don't want me to do something?" Uh. Like Michael, Michael Dom. When she says my middle name too, that's why I know it's bad. Oh, Michael Dominic. Michael Dominic. Go clean your room, and you know I'll be I'll sit there like an extra ten minutes of Call of Duty. I was playing back in the day, and then I'll go up to my room. It's already cleaned because she just like. <laughs> It just has to get. It just has to get done. Uh, she'll just like, I'll come in and I'll see her like bent over on her ass and like, mm-hmm. you know, picking up all my little, all my little Gatorade bottles that are everywhere. You know, folding my clothes like, in my drawers like, because mm-hmm. when I put stuff away, I would often like I don't do this now, but I would just like throw it in the drawer. I wouldn't really fold it. Mm-hmm. Like even if it was folded, I would just kind of like throw it, and then over time, we'll just slowly conform to chaos. <laughs> so if like I oftentimes found that my mom would get so mad at me for not doing it, and then she would explain like, "Oh, I have to, you know, clean your room for you." Like, you know, you're oh a teenager now. Like, you know, you know that's. Oh cool. my god, dude! The most annoying thing. They're like, "Hey, clean your room." All right, give me like ten minutes. I go up in ten minutes. Wow, I can't believe I had to do this for you. I was gonna do it. <laughs> All right, I was going to. You just went and did it without me telling you to do it. Oh God, I hate getting blamed for other people making decisions. But anyway, uh, but them being up here, you know, I haven't seen. I I've seen my mom recently, and my dad, but I hadn't seen my sister, and it really that helps. I I really think that helps with a yeah. lot of the loneliness that I feel when I'm up here, uh, which I'm working on fixing now that I've truly recognized it. Yeah, but first step is you know self reflection and. Looking at all your flaws as normal and human instead of, you know, weird and, you know, yourself being special, a social Michael. outcast. But I'm special. Yeah, that, that's going to lead into my other point. Um, you mentioned yeah. something about um, having control to a certain extent, I guess, over loneliness, which is, um, it kind of leads into the point that was said in the manual that um, you, you are the maker of your destiny. Um, you know, you're in this, I mean, whether you like it or not, um, it's ultimately, 
your your problem that you are lonely mm -hmm. and whether you're um feeling a certain way or you know you can't get your schoolwork done or whatever mm -hmm. it's ultimately your problem and not society's problem exactly and you know he ties it into being selfish like you got to be selfish because in the end you can do all these things for other people but you know those people still aren't going to put your needs first mm -hmm. um, so n nothing you can't get anything done for yourself mm -hmm. um you know you have to maintain control of your circle of influence um, that was a term I read in another book, which I kind of resonated with. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Called it yeah, the Circle you, of Influence. You suggested that. Um, I need to get to it. Yeah, he just mentioned how it's stupid to, you know, give a shit about stuff that you can't control. But what you can control, you should, you know, you put a hundred percent effort into maintaining that outcome because it directly affects you and your, you know, social circle that you have. Yeah, bringing that back into loneliness and depression, it's really about recognizing, recognizing where you're at and having responsibility and taking action about, you know, your predicament, whether it's what, what we just talked about, whether in the context of the manual, whether it's, you know, about girls or giving a presentation or whatever. Whatever you want to do in life. Mm -hmm. oh, taking that first step. Sorry, I'm just texting Aaron real quick. Okay. So nice, here's... dude. Nice. I know. Middle I of know. podcast, I'm going to text. I, you know what? It, had, it was pertaining to the podcast. I was asking if the audio yeah. levels are okay. So, heck off. Um, but I think uh, I want to go back to the whole idea of fear, right? And you, you know how yeah. you, you said that it isn't necessarily something that you know, we need as a society. To be fair, there is a, I forgot to mention this, but there's a natural, like, ingrained fear, like, the fear of the lion. Mm -hmm. you know, way back when, when you see a lion, you know, you get stressed, and that stress causes you to take an immediate action, and then that stress is resolved when you get away from the lion. Mm -hmm. That opens up kind of another can of worms about how we live in a a non-reactionary society like we have to do stuff in the long term we have to worry about what happens three weeks from now two weeks mm -hmm. from now way back when you got much less to worry about in the long term and you know you're kind of focused on the near term you're focused on getting enough calories and getting enough food for yourself and that's kind of the immediate thing you gotta either kill the fish or kill the lion and you know cook it or or not and, you know, when you avoid danger, you avoid danger, and it's happening now. It's right now. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about anything else but the stuff in front of you. Absolutely. Or you don't. I know it kind of whole plays into why everyone is having this chronic stress is because our brains are still wired over millions of years of evolution for the short term. Mm -hmm. And here we are as modern, in, in modern society. Mm-hmm. We're worrying about things, you know, six, 12 months ahead of time, which we intrinsically can't really control. Sometimes more. Sometimes I worry more, about yeah. 10 years in the future a lot of times because it's, and that's the thing with fear is while it, it's something that, a certain, like you said, certain parts of it, like, you know, fear of being ostracized is not necessarily something that uh, comes up naturally. Uh, that's almost something that we've developed. It's also, I feel like, saying we developed it is something, I feel like 
a six-year-old isn't necessarily worried about being cast out by his family. Obviously. There's no. no real reason for him to be. But a, you know, like, uh, two million years ago, like you said, you'd fear a lion. Yeah. But, you know, you'd also fear being ostracized, you know. Everything boils down to what you really fear. And the, the greatest fear that we have, I'd say, is probably death. I'm not sure about you, but I still look both ways when I cross the street in the morning. Because <laughs> there's a bus yeah, lane. I don't, two I don't buses go. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that point. Oh, the biggest inspiration of all humans is death, my friend. Big, you know what? <sighs> I mean, nothing, I guess... nothing gets your heart racing like almost dying. I can tell you that, and that's what yeah, adrenaline junkies love. You know, I mean, you know those guys into... who free walk over three hundred feet of rock. And I literally have a heart attack just watching the GoPro video. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's because we are we love we honestly love that. It's something that we love at the same time that we hate. Because it's a fear that we, we love. We love action and we love mm-hmm. not necessarily, we love what's non-normal. We love stuff that catches our eye. Like why, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, it, it's a short story, but it kind of captures the point. Like there is a, do you remember when the one house on 55th and Market caught on fire? No, I don't. And, I mean, I remember uh, it happened. There was a, like, small, there was a fire truck in front of that house, and naturally, I'm driving by. I'm like, "Ooh, something bad happened." I'm gonna look over, and you know, mm-hmm. I just fucking ram into the car right in front of me. Did just you so really? happened that car in front. So, so just so happened that car in front of me was my dad. So I didn't like have to face as bad of consequences as I would have if it was a random person. But I'm lucky in that respect, but. You know, just like anything, like when there's violence going on, we're naturally, we naturally want to spectate. Like, it's like, why, why do we love football? Why do we love collision sports? Why did the Romans like these gladiator battles where only one gladiator would, where only one gladiator would survive? Because we're, because we're naturally attracted to risk. Mm-hmm. But we're also, in a way, you know, we're nervous about it, and we're we fear anxious it. about it because that's what our upgrading upbringing was. Mm-hmm. We absolutely fear the idea of dying. I think um, that's a good question, Joe. Is adrenaline an addictive feeling people strive for? I think so, absolutely. Because you know what? Nothing creates dopamine in the human mind than surviving something they shouldn't That's have. That's a good point. Nothing. And dopamine is obviously uh, the thing that causes addiction, necessarily. Let's say An that. attraction. Attraction and addiction towards something. Um, yes. It, that, and you know, adrenaline, there's nothing. I'm telling you, there's, you know how many times, even like when I'm in a car and like, yeah, I'll be honest, I drive a little fast. Sometimes in the oh yes I do, epic twenty thirty above sometimes not always but especially <sighs> always. on the drive but home from know. Cleveland to Canton I, I can tell you I regularly hit like set like you know eighty or ninety uh, and then my car starts to wobble you know. and you know what that my heart gets racing you know when my car's like my wheel like I kind of almost lose control of the wheel my heart mm-hmm. gets racing and I I love that I I like I I. Even though I know it's a stupid idea, I constantly do it. 
If I'm gonna die young, I'm probably gonna die. Addiction. I'm I'm almost addicted to it, and I'm addicted to the feeling of surviving something like uh, close crashes. I had even. Um, Obviously, when I got into my actual accident, uh, that was something that definitely declined. Uh, That need for I definitely started to slow down after that. I'm starting to get back up there in the speed. I don't recommend driving fast. Let, Let me make that very clear. This is a dangerous and a bad habit I have. Let me make that very clear. Yeah, you tell them, John. This is a horrible thing to do. Do not drive fast. Do not do not actually drive over the speed limit. It doesn't make you cool. It doesn't make you uh, attractive in any way. Um, if you pass me uh, on the highway, know, uh, I think about giving you the finger. I'll be honest. I, fuck you. Yo, why are you passing? I'm going 90. Kind of a, that brings up an interesting point. Whenever somebody passes I just naturally think that this whoever it is is like challenging me. And I take it like, oh, this guy's like challenging my mm-hmm. risk-taking ability or my balls, so to say. And it, usually I don't do it, but sometimes mm-hmm. I'll like rev the engine a little bit, <laughs> you know, like, you know, give it, give the, uh, give the pedal a couple more thrusts. If my parents ever hear this, they're going to kill me. So there's uh, this one time. Yeah, was, maybe eventually they will. I was on Everhard, you know, Everhard, you know, there's all those oh, yeah. lights. Back to back to back to back to back that you always hit every time. You always stop at them. A hundred percent. I was in my Mazda. Uh, this is before I wrecked it. I actually wrecked it on Everhard, uh, but it's another story. Um, I pulled up to the light in my in my little six speed two point five liter Mazda black hatchback with lights underneath. Yeah, and, flex, dude. Oh, dude, the neon lights. Rest in peace. Um. <laughs> This guy pulls up next to me in this on this bright green motorcycle. And you know what? I look at him. I nod my head. He nods his. And I, I shit you not. This guy dusted me. Absolutely fucking dusted me. What a champion. Oh, my God. He was probably going 100. I was still going like 45, 60. We get up to the next light. I, I I'm laughing. I have my window down. Ashamed, you were probably almost ashamed to look at him. Oh no! I looked. I, I looked like... him dead in the eye, and I said, "Let's go again." <laughs> really? So then we're going down. Because you know what? It is so much fun. It is so much fun to feel that adrenaline. That's why it's I, I told my mom. Competition. I I think is probably another good example of a social construct. Oh, it's something oh that we designed over territory. I'm not a very competitive person, personally. Um, I have competitive you know over... What's the funny certain... thing is, I'm going to say this. Um, oh, God. Even when I'm, like, playing Call of Duty, or, like, playing ranked in Call of Duty, <sighs> like, I get an adrenaline rush, man. Like, oh, yeah, I have this natural sense that, like, I have to prove myself to these anonymous, you know... Mm-hmm. People who don't you know, matter. Mouth-breathing mouth losers on the other <laughs> end of the internet. Mouth breathing, and you know I'm just sitting on me in my fucking reclining chair with my fucking three TVs in front of me with my fucking Gatorade, <laughs> you know, fucking <laughs> dropping a hundred kills on shipment. Like oh I feel God. like a god sometimes, you know. You know that feeling's waned over the years as I've detached from Xbox, I guess. Um, but, but that's that's just still what there. Love. It's just the feeling of competition. Like when I play baseball. I play mm-hmm. soccer. I get fearsome. You, you guess, over every. There's some people who I know, and I get who, nervous too. And oh. and I get, I, I used to get so nervous because I would feel like I, I could just like feel like the competitive like, 
energy with inside me. I could tell whenever you walked back from striking out. I could. Oh my god! I could tell. No, you no, just stop, you stop. felt I'm the talking. eyes I'm burning talking. into the back of your in, into your back. I'm talking. That. I'm talking. My brother was like this too. Striking out to me is by far the worst feeling in this world that I've ever experienced. Oh, I come hated on. it. Hated the worst. It. The worst. One of the worst. It's just like there's nothing worse than striking out looking and having the umpire oh, striking calling out you looking. out. Yeah. Yeah, 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 sending okay. you back to your walk of shame. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, obviously I took it way too seriously. Oh my top. gosh. You. Oh. And, you know, it, it kind of affected my play a little bit. I hit pretty well my freshman year, and it just kind of sucked, you know, my remaining years, because I let, you know, I let my head get to me. Yeah. This goes into the fact that I felt pressured that I had to live up to this expectation that my brother said, whatever you want to call it. Like, I just felt a need to prove myself when there was really nothing to prove at all. Like, it was, like, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy in the fact that nothing was going to happen, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like there was there was nothing to be gained. Like looking back on it now, like my coach is a low life who doesn't care about anything but baseball. Like fucking shots. <laughs> true though. I know. I like know. I just don't be mean. Yeah. Like you gotta be mean sometimes. <laughs> anyway, you gotta be. You gotta be an asshole. The point we're making is that I've learned about. I've learned about doing that. The fear of losing, honestly, in that competitiveness caused it causes a lot of uh, adrenaline and dopamine and whatnot. Yeah, a, a, a social construct. I do want. I do want to talk about. I know we had discussed maybe not bringing it up. Do you think? Do you what? Bring it up. Uh, what? You cut off on my end. We talked about not bringing this up, um, but I, I think we should. Okay. I go think. Ahead. There's certain aspects of humanity that were weren't accept probably weren't and shouldn't have been acceptable 300 years ago or more. Okay. Yeah. 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 And are now because they are necessary. Social constructs are f- tumbling down around us every day. You know things that don't matter anymore. Uh, things that don't need to you know necessarily be you know we don't need to be worried about. And I think the big yeah. one that you and I talked about was. Uh, uh, homosexuality. Homosexuality, yes. Um, so, 300 yeah, years ago, that, it probably, being homosexual um, 2 million years ago, or and probably up until the Industrial Revolution even, and even very recently, being homosexual was just kind of really looked down upon, obviously because of the rep- reproductive uh, necessity that our species faced. I would a say more. I would say more so, like yeah, a long time ago, like thousands. Of long time, time ago, especially when yes. the industrial revolution. I think a lot of that was we're still coming out of that. We're still, you know, find you know we have to find a way to be, you know, uh, what's the word? You know, that was the it's main about, purpose. It was, was about continue on to continuing on the family name. Recent mm-hmm. times, a couple hundred years ago, and just continuing on your species thousands of years ago and that was seen as like a direction at your mm-hmm. clan tribe family whatever mm-hmm. 
it was basically screaming, you know, I'm not going to reproduce. I'm not going to yeah. be of use. But nowadays, that has, no, that has no bearing at all. There's 7.6 like, billion of us. We rule this planet. I don't care if you're homosexual. I don't even think about it. Like, it's not, it doesn't even cross my mind. Like, it's not even, like, a factor I consider when I'm looking at you as, like, a friend. Mm -hmm. It just, it's simply, it doesn't matter. It's completely okay. Like, it just doesn't. It shouldn't matter anymore. Yeah. What exactly. I'm saying is, 300 years ago, and even before that, you know, with the Industrial Revolution and whatnot, it was just kind of, you know, when a certain, when more children died than lived when you were having children... It was probably not okay. Yeah. Why do I think? Because of this. It's not... It doesn't matter if you're homosexual anymore. One, there's plenty of kids who need... Because there's no... There's no sexual... Mm -hmm. ...consequence... Just because of the sheer number... That... Mm -hmm. Humans are in today. Exactly. And there's no... There's generally no consequences with a family. You know, mm -hmm. nobody, most people don't care anymore. And if those people don't care, I mean, you're going to feel ostracized, but, you know, you can get on a plane ticket and leave. I mean, that's a rough way of thinking about it, but thousands of years ago, if you were ostracized, I mean, we talked about it earlier, you die. <laughs> like, exactly. it's that simple. I mean, you, you would get cast out by your community and you would die. That's a fact. You would not survive very long, uh, hunting on your own, sleeping on your own. The moment you came up against a pack of wolves, you died. Uh, things like that would happen. With, you know, as, like you, I mean, like uh, Joe said, it's much more prominent now. But that's because it can be, and it's not, it's not taboo anymore. Or at least it shouldn't be. It, there's no reason for it to not exist. There's no reason for it to be taboo. Exactly. There's Because there's... There's no reason for it to be considered taboo. Exactly. No. There's, there's no survival no, reason, I guess. No uh, base instinct as to why it should. I mean, who gives a there's fuck? There's no basis. There's Honestly. no basis to give a fuck about. It. There's no basis to give a fuck about it. There's no. Exactly. Um, and with it also being such a small percentage of the population, um, it it also doesn't matter. You know. Um, and I'm not. When we say that, it doesn't matter. Uh, at least for myself, I'm not saying it doesn't matter that you're homosexual. If that's part of your character and part of your identity, that's whatever. Fine. It's just, at the same time, from a survival standpoint and as a human race, we shouldn't care. It, like, what's the point of caring anymore about stuff like that? Um, you know, it doesn't matter that you can't reproduce. And that's kind of the end of it, really. Um, that was easier nowadays, to adopt... Exactly. In the there's end, plenty of kids who need adopt. Fabulous. It's, it's great. And obviously, there's still countries around the world um, that I won't name. I don't know if I can. Uh, <clears throat> Middle East, that it's still illegal, and you may even be killed uh, for being homosexual. When reality, uh, yeah, doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, and that's. I, mean, that I think it's important. The Middle East has that very religious aspect to it. Mm -hmm. And that very family-oriented aspect mm. to it, which maybe ties into our other reason that, you know, being homosexual in those countries is a direct shot against your religion and a direct shot against your family, so to speak. Mm -hmm. so. How? What do you think of, like, uh, 
you know, so the, like there's the homosexuality. And I know a lot of people dislike uh, the idea of transgenders. Again, something that I don't really see as an issue. Um, I don't think it's an issue. People can do whatever the hell they want at this point. I don't care. People, like I talked about earlier, I have a circle of influence that in the end I really own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody within my circle of influence is gay or trans. Fabulous. Awesome. Like, I don't yeah. care. Um, it's your decision. You're happy. I'm happy. Exactly. Um, and, there's no reason for me to be bogged down on and something. There's no, reason, there's no reason for me to, you know, get up and wane about that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's just not, it's just not worth it to me. It's unproductive. It's not. I think is the... It's unproductive. Well, like, what's it doing? Yeah, well, if about, anything, you're taking us back, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think worrying big... about anything outside of your things that you control is a Like, it's just sentimental to your mental health, and it, mm-hmm. it it takes a lot of energy to be stressed. Mm-hmm. Like, do, don't you ever, like, like so, I mean, just as, like, a literal physical example, like, whenever I get so stressed, like, this past week I had a presentation, and I was just, like, mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. And, like, I got on the scale and I had lost five pounds, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, that, I mean, losing five pounds for me, that's like, for one, I'm smaller on the smaller side. I say five pounds, you lost, like, 20% of your uh, body weight, didn't you? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh my god. But, it just goes to show that being... Uh, being stressed like that is a total. It's just it takes up so much of your time and energy. And you're so unproductive. It's just it's not where I mean I know I'm armchair cubing. It's harder when you're within a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. Just remember that if it's not in your control, don't worry about it. And that's something that's very obviously easier said than done. Yeah, easier said than done. Way easier said than done. But I think in this case, I think it probably be pretty easy either way Um, i know a lot of people who probably 200 years ago would have been extremely homophobic uh considered that nowadays they're just kind of like all right whatever like because what's the point what's the point of worrying about it if it doesn't affect you it it just doesn't yeah you know um did we talk about i was gonna bring up religion uh and how that's a social contract that is i was gonna say how did, I, did we talk about, like, while we were live yet, the fact that, you know, how I brought up, like, we live in such a delayed reaction or society, and way back when, like, our decisions had an immediate effect, so that's why we don't get, that's why back then we didn't yeah, get we stressed about, about the long term, but we talked about that. Yeah, you talked about that with the line. It blend, yeah, blended, it blends in with what we talked about. Exactly. Go ahead. But mm, that was too much. Um, the whole idea for me with religion, right? I grew up, I, li- I grew up in a Catholic household. I went to Catholic school for twelve years. Um, all I really knew was the no way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. What a coincidence. But you know what? I wouldn't necessarily consider myself Catholic. I wouldn't. And I think you know, it's because by I'm my just... by my actions, I would not consider myself Catholic. 
No. By my not not that I'm a bad person. I'm by how well mm -hmm. I or how often I go to church and how often mm -hmm. I you know take into consideration like Catholic values. I guess um, I wouldn't consider myself yeah, just no. from that. Side. I when I think when I'm making the decision, I don't think what would Jesus do. I I just don't. That's not, and that's kind of like what you're raised being taught as a yeah. Catholic. Um, but my point is, as a social, a lot of the social constructs. The main point that we're trying to make is a lot of the social constructs that existed hundreds of years ago, and for the past millions of years, they're deteriorating because of the way things are changing, the way. You know, our population is growing. The way growing exponentially. The way humanity has evolved. Techno the technological revolution. The fact that the thing that I carry around in my pocket, like it's nothing, could take took uh, is more powerful than the machines that took men to the moon allegedly uh, fifty years ago. Now, the fact that that is something that I don't even take into consideration. Things are changing so much that I, I think. The reality of it is we're changing and our social constructs are kind of, you know, deteriorating. We don't fear death as much as we used to, I'm sure. I don't, you know. But those intrinsic feelings are obviously still there. Fear are going to be there because those developed. Mm -hmm. We've been living in a situation where those feelings aren't really that useful for mm -hmm. 300 years, 400 years. They, they have been. Just about. I think a very important uh, thing is with all these social con I think the biggest one that really is deteriorating the fastest is the idea of religion. We're not, you know, I think it's something like 70% of Chinese people now consider themselves atheist. Uh, they identify as atheist. Really? Chinese, China used to be one of the heavily, you know, like, uh, I believe one of the heaviest, like, uh, religion influenced countries in the world. Now, yeah, whenever I think of China, I think of Buddha. <laughs> exactly, but China, that's I mean, not that's the case. A stereotype, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, it is a stereotype. But I mean, a lot of people when they think of you know, uh, that's a good Italy, stereotype. I'm sure. I'm sure in Italy I mean, I, they think Catholic. You know, you think Roman Catholic. Italy is probably a lot of uh, Catholic people, but they probably aren't. I yeah. don't know actually the statistics about them. But, like, in America, you know, we, a lot of us say, well, we're God-fearing man and woman of America. Cowboy. I can't tell you how many people I know personally who identify as either agnostic or atheist. They just do. And it's not even, like, a like a, like a rebellion. It's just, like, I mean, what's the point of me getting bogged down on the thought of God 24-7? It's unproductive no at this point. point. It doesn't make you any money. It doesn't make you a better person. We've seen that. People who are... You know, religious don't aren't necessarily good people, um, and a lot of these things like that. The idea of the social constructs that we've built over millions and thousands of years are just—they're dissipating because of the way the world's changed. I know I keep saying that, but I mean, just think about all the—really think about all the things that have changed. You know, I don't give ten percent of my tithings. You know, I don't do tithings. I don't give ten percent because Tiff. I'm not. Tiffing, tiffing, tiffing. I don't tiffing. know what it's called. Tiffing, um, but I, I just I'm not all that concerned, you know. I 
I, I you know, I I would show you guys. I don't think I think I may have left it underneath my laptop. I got a certificate today from St. Jude's uh, 2019 appreciation Ooh. ticket um, from my charity stream. And that don't get me wrong, that made me feel really good. I, I felt very uh, <clears throat> high and mighty at that very moment uh, because of that. But high and mighty. You know, I don't. I don't. When so I when I did that, a, uh, I wasn't thinking of God. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking. Oh, I'm doing this because it'll take me to heaven. No, I was doing it because I. I, I want to be a good person. Uh, what were you gonna say? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna switch up the topic a little bit, but okay. some in the realm of you know work in progress. You know, personal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a quote. I was watching a YouTube video, and it was about Elon Musk, and he was giving, like, a, he was leading this group of students through, like, you know, one of the Tesla factories or whatever, Mm -hmm. and naturally one of the students asked him, or I think he was giving, like, a, like, a, like, a little sermon, I guess you want to say, about, you know, how to be an entrepreneur, how to be an entrepreneur and that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. naturally one of the questions was, well, what advice would you give to, you know, your fellow students who, you know, are 18 years old, you know, full of life and, you know, ready to take on the world. You know, I'm going to college I'm going to Harvard. Like these are all smart kids. I'm going to Harvard. Mm -hmm. They're all going to Ivy league schools and being freaking nerds. He gave, he gave a, he gave a pretty Elon Musk like answer and it kind of resonated with me. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, the cold, the cold hard reality of it is, is that if you need to ask me that and you need to find motivation to do something, then you're not ready. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn. I was like, yeah. Because often, like, when you build yourself up to do something, like, if I'm, like, trying to, like, research ideas and find motivation for a school project, or if I'm, you know, trying to find motivation to do an endeavor on my own mm-hmm. um, if you have to like do that build up oftentimes that's the indicator that it's not gonna work out in the end because mm-hmm. you're only gonna last on that high mm-hmm. of being motivated from whatever you know like from whatever instagram post you see or whatever like for instance like bodybuilding from whatever like however many like transformational photos you can see mm-hmm. like if you have to build yourself up to that, it's not going to work. It has to come, it has to come from like your natural like curiosity and your natural passion. It's almost got to be like a spark. Got to come from your gut. No, and that's not to sound like I said that purposely to maybe sound kind of corny, but it's true. It's really got to be something that you truly care about, regardless of what you see or what you do. Yes, it, it can't be it, it something. It can't be something that you get ten minutes of because you see on Instagram. It's got to be something that keeps be, you up at yeah. night. It can't be something that you're doing to please other. Exactly. It can't be something that you're doing to gain status. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I mean, if gaining status isn't on your agenda and you really care about, I'm saying you should. I mean, obviously, I don't. I don't care that much about, you know, social status or whatever, but, you know, if it's some, that's something you have to do and you have to hype yourself up about. Mm-hmm. And it's not likely it won't work. Because, yeah, like, I mean, how many, I mean, how many, I mean, if you watch, if you watch that video, like, mm-hmm. you probably could guess, like, all those kids were, 
you're bouncing off the walls with ideas and like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go find the next Facebook. You know, I'm going to be Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm going to start my own personal blog. I'm going to do this. I'm going to change the world. Yeah. Which is great. Like, we talked about that earlier. Like, mm-hmm. We were like, oh, we're, like, I'm very, like, I'm a high believer in that I have a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. And I kind of have this natural feeling that I can be better than normal. Mm-hmm. I can be better than the average person. Um, but that betterness has to come from your own personal, has... own personal passion. Your own, the old, your own fire inside of you instead of an extrinsic, like, motivator. Like, that's why... That's why, like, you notice, like, you've gotten into the YouTube cycle, watching those motivational videos, and, like, you know, looking for inspiration. Like, you know, every single time you watch those, you know, you implement something for a week, and then after that, it just fizzles. Mm-hmm. It's got to be on your own accord. Like, it can't be... You know what I'm saying. I don't move it's... on to anything until I've been thinking about it for at least two, three weeks. I just don't. Because you know what? That idea that it's just something, you know, it could be a little spark. Like, I currently have this idea in my head about a photo, like a photo gallery. Uh, Something I've never done before. I've never done, like, uh, extreme photography or anything like that. You know, putting anything. Like, I've done, like, little photographies here and there. Doing, like, you know, just testing, like, camera angles and focusing and all these things. Basic stuff. But I've never had, like, the idea of going and doing, like... The, uh, it's called a contractual obligation, kind of like contractual obligation, just with an S. And it ta- it's about like uh, how the reason we appreciate anything is because there's normally an, a polar opposite that is right there next to it that makes us really love it. You know, uh, yeah. why do we love the sunshine, Michael? Uh, it's a pretty basic one. Why do we love the because, sun? Because it's the contrast to, to rain. light to Oh, you're at, you were asking what the like weather contrast was. to sun. Yeah, exactly. The reason we appreciate anything, reason we appreciate, you know, the bad weather. Companion. Yeah. Uh, I, one of the examples I wanted to use was companionship. Uh, the reason we appreciate companionship is because we know loneliness. Yeah. Things like that. Exactly. And I've had this idea in my head for about a week and a half now about this, you know, and really thinking about it, just kind of like pacing around, you know, my my apartment and my room, just kind of. Really thinking about this, you know, and thinking how I would want to do it. And it's coming up on the point where I've thought about it for so long, I, I think I might actually go out and do it. Um, I have, like, inspirations to maybe start, like, an app or something, but that lasts, like, a day. You know, I have inspirations to do these yeah. things. And it lasts a couple, you know, it lasts maybe three or four days. And then it's like, you know what, do I even really want to do that? Not really. It's just kind of because I saw that one thing and that kind of put me in a mood. Yeah, that, that ties back into what I said. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see an ad or like whatever you fire something on the internet start building your own app or you know get back into your fitness routine and it's not like a natural desire like i'm pretty consistent with my fitness routine because it's something that i've done and it's something that i've been wanting to do for mm-hmm. the past i mean since freshman year of college you know keeping fit mm-hmm. and the only thing for me is not going but just staying consistent Mm-hmm. And that's the number one thing for me. So. Absolutely. I understand. My, uh, what I'm just kind of thinking of, it's really got to be a predisposition almost. Um, it's almost got to, it's got to be like, like you've always said, it's got to be something that's intrinsic. It's got to be something that you just 
think of. You know, it's got to be something yeah. and a predis like a personal predisposition of mine is the idea that I can change the world. That's something that's yeah. it's been in my head for a long time, long time. Uh, as far as I can remember, I always wanted to be somebody special. I didn't want to just be, you know. I I always told my dad I don't. And I told Ben, one of my best friends, my greatest fear in the entire world is being average. Is being average. That's something, that's something actually. Yeah. What's up? Like, I, I hate being, I hate thinking myself as average. Mm -hmm. Like, I just can't, like, there's just this natural, it's it's in all of us, you think. Mm -hmm. There's just this natural thing that I'm. Not better, I mean, I guess better, um, that I can be, you know, something greater than average, mm-hmm. you know, something better than your average Joe Schmo who works nine to five and Monday, Wednesday, thir- or Monday through Friday, you know, mm-hmm. has the white picket fence, you know, you know, the average size house. I mean, not that that matters, but I'm just thinking no, of no. like what Joe would have and, you know, has, has a wife, you know, has a couple of kids. You know, mm-hmm. retires when he's sixty. You know, he dies, and then everyone forgets yeah, about him. And that's it. Die twice. No, there's more. There's, there's got to be more. There's uh, there's oh. absolutely there's got to be more to life. There's no way that that's that that's the peak. In more. fact, I see people living outside of that every single day. So no, I don't want that. I, and personally, I'm not saying if that's what you want, then hey, a damn thing wrong with that. Uh, Indiana Jones says to. Shia LaBeouf. That was a horrible, not a horrible movie, but I, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody who didn't want to. I haven't that. watched Indiana Jones. It's that's PBK. it's the oldest, it's the newest one. It's it's all right. Shia LaBeouf. There's some. Hmm. Yeah, it's all right. But my point is, uh, if that's what you really want, then that's what you do. Fine, that's fine. Whatever, do it. You know, one of the most artistic people I know. You know, Meacham. You know Meacham. Zach. Yes. Really? Very Sorry. artistic, very capable. He loves music. He loves a lot of things. Uh, he's probably more talented than I could ever plan to be. But you know what he wants to do? He doesn't want to do any of that necessarily. He he just kind of wants to be Zach Meacham and go on with his life. And that's and if that's really I yeah. I've begged and pleaded him, and he doesn't want to do it. So yeah, yeah. that's not something he wants to do. That's fine. I mean, I have I've always had an artistic side. Um, for a while, um, I wanted to be an architect because I've always been enamored with it. Like, I love, you know, the style and, like, you know, the grand buildings and all that kind of stuff. But I never really pursued it, so I don't think it's meant to be. But, you know, in my major, data analytics, you got to do a lot of visualization, a lot Mm of, you know, graph building and, you know, Mm -hmm. presenting your ideas to your perspective employers or in my case students right now mm-hmm. uh, or my colleagues i would say um so yeah i find it a great combination of you know what i envision myself doing got a good creative outlet mm-hmm. got a lot of analytical thinking and a lot of math and computer science which is cool you know it fits me well then there's another thing like i guess this is a product of you know, living in the, you know, Twitch era and YouTube area. I've always mm-hmm. wanted personality at times, too. Kind of got it from you as well. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of always wanted my own blog. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the topic would necessarily be. 
um i've been considering just starting it cool. um like i have like a i have like a website i did off of bluehost and but i haven't posted anything yet um and i was thinking of maybe just like you know posting like weekly workout updates like my workout progress or maybe just i don't know we could integrate our podcast in there somehow absolutely um, you know i have an idea for you Maybe doing. I mean, I'm. I love like predictive modeling and statistics and all that. Um, I was thinking about doing something with like March Madness or like making my own ranking system for like mm-hmm. college football and making like a weekly post about it. Since that makes sense, since week rankings are released every week. Mm-hmm. So, I have a lot of interesting aspirations. And if they, like we said, if they've been, in my opinion, if they've been in your head and you've been thinking about it, go for it. You know, because you'll always regret it if yeah. you don't. You will. Yeah. Always regret it. And once it's, I mean, it's very cliche, but you learn from experience and you learn from giving it a shot. Mm-hmm. And you learn, I'm a very hands-on kind of like, I have to see it and I have to work with it. Like, I can't just like, like I said, I'm not, I don't believe myself to be naturally smart. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't believe that I'm, the analytical genius who can think of something to say on the whiz or, you know, come up with a solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. I got to think for a little bit and I got to like digest everything. Not the wittiest man on the, on the planet. No, that's the good word for it. Now my brother, on the other hand, he, Bobby, what a is man. A witty master. Yeah. I love that guy to death. But, I mean, I've Bobby always, I've always envied. One of those I mean, maybe he, he might listen to this one day and laugh, but I, I mean, I've always envied at least the appearance that he's witty, whether mm-hmm. it's true or not. You know, sometimes that's all it takes. Is like, there is a there, there is a um, what did you say? It's all about the appearance, and I know. Uh, yeah, there is a uh, Aaron's um, like that with me. Uh, I've been told by mom and dad, Aaron, so ha, that uh, you're pretty jealous of my ability to be uh, witty. So, <laughs> but that, that was right. a. Uh, that was actually a topic from Emmanuel. Um, he talks about it with confidence. It's not necessarily you have to be certain. Mm-hmm. It's just that you have to appear to be certain. Mm-hmm. Or he worded as you've got to be comfortable with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to actually know. You just have to be calm. And that's what that's what he defines confidence as is the comfort being comfortable with uncertainty mm-hmm. not necessarily knowing which is it's... kind of enlightening because you know you when you walk around and you introduce yourself to a girl or whatever and you know your chest is high and you're like so certain that you're gonna you know succeed and you know she said no or, you know whatever happens it's just that it's not the fact that you're so certain it's the fact that you appear like you're certain. Um, the idea, I, I do think a lot of it is appearance, obviously. Um, I know that, I know that a lot of that comes in hand, uh, when you're pitching ideas, you have like, Oh my God. What the fuck? I thought I turned that off. Um, what? The idea of, uh, confidence is it's so like it's so encapsulating because you really 
it, it is vague, and it just because there's so many things to be confident about. But when you're pitching ideas to people, you want to sound like if I were to pitch, it, Michael, remember when we we pitched this idea to each other? Basically, this is yeah. kind of something that we both wanted to do, but we were both very certain about some of the things that we would have to go through. We're going to have to go through some, obviously, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of low numbers. Oh, right? yeah. We, we, we were both we certain That's the good that. thing about it. We knew. Mm-hmm. We knew what, what we were getting into. We, we knew what, what this entailed. Into. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's going to work. Exactly. <laughs> right there. That's the confidence. Yeah. The reality of it is, and I'm going to be completely honest with you here, viewers and listeners, we don't know a damn thing about whether or not no. this is actually going to work. We don't know a damn thing. There's too much. There's too much to influence that could affect the success of mm-hmm. you know our you know endeavor, our majestic journey into the world of you know podcasting and internet mm-hmm. personalities. And, yeah, we don't know. We I mean, really a lot of it isn't is in our control. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, it's probably just going to be you know being consistent and having um, a good content and you know having you know distinct personalities. I said there are definitely things that we are in control of, and we're going to list them off right quick. The fact that we started is something that we were in control of. The fact that we're still going is something we're in control of. The... A little delay, but it's okay. Sorry about that. Might also not be one next week. But the week uh, after that, I'll be back. I promise. I'm going on vacation next week. I'm leaving Sunday. And I don't know if I'll be able to I mean, it was a combination of the factors. It was, you know, my laptop being broken. But we're here. We didn't stop. We didn't give up. That was something that was in our control. We could have both been just like, you know what? I'm not sure if I want to do this. Maybe this isn't what we're supposed to do. Fuck it. Yeah, It's an hour every week. He's been getting on my shit the whole time about, oh, once the podcast can be out. <laughs> no. Same. Same. I'm just like, listen, I'm a, I'm, I'm not the one to blame circumstances, mm-hmm. but we, yeah, I mean, there, there's stuff preventing us from releasing mm-hmm. a podcast at this moment. Yeah. So. I mean, and a lot of it was we, we, we probably could have gone live last week. I'll be honest uh, with you guys. Yeah, we probably could have gone last week. But you know what? Michael still had a, uh, what's the word? A, like a temporary computer he was still borrowing. Um, and yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't exactly, I didn't want to, you know, do anything. And it was very short notice. It was about two or three days in advance. We hadn't selected a topic to maybe research and talk about uh, like we did this week. Um, even this week, I'll be honest, just some things that I think... Uh, we probably could work on. We definitely need. Obviously, uh, we're gonna go off topic. I'm a very scatterbrained person. Uh, yeah, and I know Michael. You can be as well. We're both that. We're both that oh, way. Oh my god, I. Oh, I work in spikes, place. and my brain works in. Sp- not. Gonna it's stop. and it's bad, but it's all. I mean, that's just something we're gonna have to work on. Uh, yeah, that's just how it is. Um, but here's the here's a very very. Bottom fact. Bottom fact. Bottom line is. Bottom. Bottom fact. Shut the fuck up. Fuck off. Um. <laughs> we're. Uh, I'm happy to be doing this. This is something because you know it takes an I, opportunity for me to oh. get some thoughts out that I have uh, all the time, and to also one. let people know what I'm doing right now. 
Um, number one, I get to talk to you. Oh. Number two. You're so cute. Number two, I get to talk about stuff that I enjoy. And number three, it kind of helps me towards my goals. It helps me mm-hmm. social. It helps me. I mean, even though there's no audience in front of me, I mean, I'm still speaking to an audience. Mm-hmm. I'm still touching people that, whether I know it or not, I'm touching. Um, it's just an all-around good thing to be a part of. Which I'm glad. What are you touching, Michael? Touching my pen right now, actually. <laughs> Dude, that got really close. <laughs> That's kind of why I picked that word. Oh, like it, it, it's close to... Uh... <laughs> I hate you. It's close to the word penis, guys. Um. Ah, uh, oh my god. I just uh, want to put that out there. I should have said it slowly. I should have said peen. Pen. Yeah. <laughs> what if you said peen? Pen. So this is my peen. Oh my gosh. But the yeah, the week. I know what I realized. What I was trying to say when I said bottom fact. I was trying to say fact of the matter and bottom line. So I said bottom, bottom fact. line. Um. I'd say I, I think I spoke to both it. of us. It wouldn't yeah. have been good if we did it. Oh God, no! It would have been, line. and I probably would have been more upset about it. And this week pro- might not have happened. You know, uh, I'm very, I'm definitely somebody who likes to look at you know numbers and how I feel about certain things. Uh, I I know it's a negative trait of mine that I like to look at the numbers and figure out you know what am I doing wrong, what works, what doesn't. Yeah. Um, you know that's the main reason, but I also let it, I I do tend to let it get bog me down too much. If something gets three, you know, three viewers, I don't want to fucking touch it ever again. I don't, I, I don't want to be around it. So I'm happy last that, week. I'm happy that we took last week off. I am upset, however, I'm, that we I'm, might have to take the Sunday off. Maybe we won't be able to do a live. We'll be able to do a uh, closed version. Cause Michael, you're actually on spring break next week. Are you coming home? Yes, I am going with my family we're going to cleveland you know what are you doing time summer? uh i'm not sure i know saturday i'm gonna be going sunday i'll definitely be back i Maybe think we can record it sunday but we can record yeah we got about 10 yeah, minutes all right we got about 10 minutes and we're gonna end so I'm trying to, let's, let's just recap what we talked about, you know, social constructs. As, as much as we did divert off of it, I, you know, it's what they were, social uh, constructs. I was going to divert off and talk about my 20. That's what I'm... Yeah, we, okay. we can talk about that next week, yeah? Yeah, okay. So, what social constructs are, or what they were, uh, and how, what, you know, what we decided on, is that they are. Things that we designed as a human race to ensure our survival. As a society. As a society, right. yes. Not not one individual yes. person or anything. And, you know, the first few, the first few we touched upon were fear and shame. And how those kind of things were programmed into us mm-hmm. when we were little. You know, parents, you know, go go to timeout, Michael. You did something bad. Michael, you shouldn't dress like a girl. You're a guy. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, or when you have mud on your face or whatever. Why do you have mud on your face? You should. You don't look good. Whatever. 
Like, and those things are associated with negative reactions from other people, not within yourself, from other people. Mm -hmm. So now you have this natural, like, what we call shame when we perceive, when we feel embarrassed about something that we do because we're, we feel that we've upset other people. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, things like uh, we're taking it back to loneliness. Loneliness is a social construct. Um, being alone and, or being social or whatever is a construct that we developed in order to sh- ensure our survival within groups because two million years ago we were group animals. If you want more information on that there, I, I don't have a link for anything or anything for it. It's uh, uh, in a nutshell on YouTube. If you look that up. Uh, great channel. Great yeah. channel. Uh, the name is like Krizekasad. It's a German word, for, I believe, for in a nutshell. Um, it is a fantastic channel. They have a lot of great infographics. I reference them a lot in debates and, and talks and everything just because I get a lot of good information basis from there. Um, but they released a video on loneliness and how it's about, you know, the reason that we feel true loneliness is because of our fear of, uh, you know, separation from group generally meant death uh, two mm-hmm. million years ago. That's where uh, that's where that all came in. Oh God, I lost my train of thought. Um, we tied that into homosexuality. Um, oh yeah, but touch, I think touchy subject. But that brings me to my next point. That used to that that is a you know social construct that you know it was taboo uh, up till you know very recently. And the reason was because of uh, it's something that was needed. Up, up until recently, it was needed. You know, we wanted to reproduce. We wanted to, you know, procreate. Now with uh, childbearing being more, being more consistent and safer and all this stuff uh, about stuff like that. Stuff. Stuff. Um, stuff. A lot stuff. of stuff, guys. A lot of stuff. Big stuff. Stuff. Big stuff, small stuff. But it was ostracized because it was... Mm-hmm. But it's deteriorated. Back then. It's deteriorated it as a direct shot against your family and your tribe. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, oh, like literally, you would, literally, figuratively, you were saying to your members or the clan, mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to reproduce and I'm not going to continue on our traditions and our whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, back then you were, you know, ostracized and or just killed right then and there. Yeah. But I think uh, a big point that now with the technological and the industrial revolution and all of these wonderful things that have happened over the past three, four hundred years, um, these things have really changed the way society acts and the need for social constructs are gone. Not necessarily gone. Obviously, some of, you know, the fear of death and everything, stuff like that. Fear is probably still something that we need, but the idea of like the certain social constructs such as education and religion the, we talk yeah. about education the uh, ancient or not the the social constructs that were devised when we were you know millions of years ago when we were first evolving have little or no use now yes. in modern so they're unnecessary so, uh, yeah. things that and they're collapsing before our eyes like religion, it's not necessary to think about what Jesus the world would do. Is falling apart. Um, my voice is so beautiful. Oh, I know, I know, sweetie. But uh, 
Excuse me. Nothing. I love you. Um. Excuse me. Oh, <laughs> sweetie. No. Um. But the reality of it is, things like that are changing. Things like that are changing and are no longer necessary. And that is how social constructs may have to go. They might have to deteriorate. And I'm not saying that they'll be. They won't be over tomorrow. I'll tell you that. But they're falling. The things that are deteriorating. What were you gonna say? Yeah, the world's falling apart. The apocalypse. You know. That's what some people falling apart before I. Then we hit upon. Then we hit upon. Oh, the Elon Musk saying about Mm -hmm. motivation, where it has to come from. Gotta be within you. Can't be from any outside sources. Yada yada yada. Have that into some of the reading I read manual. How to be confident. Talked about you know appearing certain, even though if you, whether or not you're actually certain or not, you just got to be comfortable with uncertainty. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's where we stop. And then we started talking yep. about the podcast and how things might be changing and things that we obviously need to work on. Um, I need to stop using filler words like um. I don't normally use them other than here. We need, schedule. On, we need to work on I think we need We need to work on a lot, obviously. We're new to this. Obviously. There's several times where I've tried to start and then you just I know, and that's probably something. We need to have a buffer zone. We need to be able to count in our heads. Yeah. If you take more than two seconds to t- talk again, I'm going. All right. All right. I think that's. Uh, I think that's where we're gonna end, guys. Uh, it's been a. Right. I've had a blast. I really. I really want to do this. this a, I. Uh, we're I not always. I feel after I'm done, man. I feel like I've let out a lot of my thoughts. I'm happy with. Uh... Well, I what I had to say. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. I mean, in the end, I really, I mean, I care if, I care, obviously, I want this to blow up and, you know, whatever. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. But, you know, in the end, it's, you know, for myself and you and not for anyone else. So. All right, gang. It's been a good time. It's been the Work in Progress podcast. God, I feel so cringy saying stuff like that. I hate <sighs> that. Oh, oh, come on. Own it. This is <clears> this is this has been the Work in Progress podcast. I hope you've enjoyed. Hey, this is the Work in Progress podcast. Michael and John signing out. Oh, gonna make me oh, cringe, dude. Yeah, dude. Yo, dude, do you know how cringe <laughs> you are? That's what we'll be discussing yeah, next so week. Cringe. Is how cringy we are. <laughs> the cringe god. The cringe god. I, Michael Sylvie, I. Pour my milk before my cereal. I am the Christian. Right, I'm ending it. I'm ending it right there. That's all right. All right I'm gonna pull up your Twitch. <laughs> Let's see. All right, have a good night, guys.